You're listening to the Onside Podcast, a podcast for innovation-driven entrepreneurship here in Atlantic Canada. I'm your host, Alex McCann, and this is episode number 11. Today, our guest is Barbara Manning. Barbara is an entrepreneur, the founder of Miller Manning, and the past CEO and president of a global marketing software company known as Genie Knows. At the beginning of the internet, when most of the world had no idea what it was, Barbara was making moves right here in Nova Scotia that were felt globally. In this special episode of the Onside Podcast, Barbara's going to tell her story, and it's one like you've never heard before. Barbara, I'm so glad that you're here. I guess what we really want to know is, is who is Barbara Manning? Like, who? <laughs> and I, I, I feel like that's a deep philosophical question, but uh, who, who do you think you are today? Good question. And I will say that um, when I can answer that question, I don't think I need to be on this planet. <laughs> That's actually how I feel. But I'll tell you sort of what I'm doing right now. And I know that was what next question, but that's where I'll start where I am mm-hmm. and kind of back up and see how I got here. And maybe you might be a little more adept at figuring out who is Barbara Manning than she is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, at the current moment, I have two or three projects that I'm trying to do, and they are sort of semi-philanthropic, and I've been trying to do a philanthropic uh, project for probably since 1987. Okay. (laughs) Other things always seem to get in the way. So what I'm currently doing is scaling my partner, my husband's uh, practice, which we both uh, went back into his practice after the shutdown of my IT or our IT business. Mm -hmm. But he's a sole proprietor and was very much enjoying it. But as things seem to happen in our life, it's just exploding. And given the pandemic, giving Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really gone crazy. Um, So I'm the scaler. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's what I like to do. I don't mind saying that. I love being behind the scenes and making things happen not in front of microphones. (laughs) So a few years ago, probably a little bit before the big explosion, uh, he does federal work. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I can say who with, but he does federal work. And we were asked to open another office just before the pandemic, a physical office in Halifax and one in Ottawa. And it came about because I thought at some point we might look at retiring. Mm -hmm. I'm 72 and he's 75. And um, he says no, that he (laughs) won't be retired. He isn't retired. He's retreaded and and will continue that. So currently that's what I'm doing. I'm working at scaling. I'm working this time with a really competent uh, business coach because I'm alone on that side of the business and Mm -hmm. sort of looking at chunkets, how to build that from a sole proprietor. Uh, quicker than we had thought to an asset that really I want to sell, but he might never. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the philanthropic work that you're doing there, that you're scaling? Well, like what is? No, the... I'm not scaling that. I'm, oh, okay. I've, I've just once again uh, started to write some plans around it, and it, and in this time, it's trying to take young girls and sort of introduce them to business skills uh, through what normally people would think of as a hobby. And it could be, in this case, and it started with the pandemic to, to put it around making hats, to mm-hmm. be quite honest with you. And I had 
first thought of it, uh, of going into countries where young girls are not able to, in some cases, go to school, in some cases, um, ever even think they could become involved in business, and teaching them from the ground up how to, first of all, learn to do something that they could morph in, into a business. So that's that's one of the one of the things. I don't like to call them ideas because ideas don't get usually don't get done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's that, and there are a couple of other things that I'm working on, but they're not really ready to... Well, one is, and and it was sort of pre-Black Lives Matter, and and it was starting a a BIPOC uh, consulting group of young graduates. And um, to sort of back up, as you know, I had uh, GenieKnows.com, which was the IT company, which, which we will talk about, but one of the things that I most enjoyed in that company was mentoring my young management team, because they were all young, how to become leaders and how to sort of own uh, their departments and grow into a business person. Not, and they were all, with the exception of my son-in-law, just out of university, and my daughter as well. They, they had previously worked um, in big jobs in D.C. And so through that and somewhat after that, I I knew that, you know, businesses go in cycles. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter if you're Google. They all, every business has a cycle. And there are certain points in those cycles where if you had the right team come in, uh, you would be able to get to the next level a lot easier. Looking around, uh, I, I knew it was difficult for, and I didn't call it BIPOC then, I I really just thought of uh, taking young professionals who were the best in what they were studying to be, form a team, uh, go into a company, and look at the gaps that that needed to be filled, not for them to work in the in the company, but but as consultants to bring them to the next level. But then after Black Lives Matter, I thought, hmm, this, this should be BIPOC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's one that I started to put something around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are my two initiatives that I would like to do. But right now, I, you know, I, I, I enjoy scaling companies. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you have a you have a lot of experience uh, scaling scaling companies and and businesses mm-hmm. and I I do want to um, get into that. But maybe what I what I want to <laughs> do is before I get into that because I feel like there's some there's something so interesting and in such a roller coaster of an experience there. So, but before we get into that, you know, you're you're from Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. You're you're from here, and I was wondering if you could kind of. Um, because you mentioned you're always interested in what's now called BIPOC mm-hmm. and saw an, uh, an ability to help uh, young BIPOC people, you know, get the experience they need in companies. Mm-hmm. And I know when we had talked bef- before, you talked a little bit about, you know, your own uh, upbringing yeah, here where, in Nova Scotia. From. Yeah, where <clears throat> you're from. And, yeah, that's- uh, and I think that that's an important kind of part of the story because it, it's uh, important as, uh, you know, part of your journey, really. I th- I think that that has made my journey, you know, what it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm I'm from here, but not here, mm-hmm. and that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Heligonians. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Sydney, uh, and to be even more precise, I'm from Whitney Pier. 
And for anyone listening who knows about Whitney Pierre will not be surprised from what I'm going to say. I wasn't aware of systemic racism <laughs> growing up. Mm. Um, first of all, my family, to begin with, I am who I am by large measure because of both of my parents mm -hmm. and because of where they came from. Really interesting. My mother's mother uh, was white, Irish, from Newfoundland, and her husband was black uh, from Barbados, and they were married in the early 1900s. And that wasn't anything that was too outlandish at the time in Whitney Pier. Whitney Pier, I say that we I didn't know it growing up. You know, it was a small place, and as soon as I got to be a teenager and wanted to leave, did not know how blessed I was to be born there. It was an integrated community, and we didn't even think of integration. It was just that that's all we knew. Mm -hmm. But within that community, there was a Polish church, a Ukrainian church, an Italian church, um, an African Orthodox church, Catholic, United, Anglican, and that may sound all segmented to you. And in one respect, it was because people went to their own churches, and in fact, all the uh, sermons were spoken in their languages. But then we all went to everyone's gatherings. Mm -hmm. And we lived together. There was no black community or white community or segregated schools or any of that. There wasn't in my mother's time. And my mother's father uh, and that generation, they would have founded that community. So that is to say there were never any segregation schools in Whitney Pier. And the only thing that mattered when you went to school was that everyone did well. I, in fact, had one of the same teachers that my dad had, hmm. who was uh, from Russia and very stern, but, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think that was a big basis of my outlook. And then in my home, we never spoke about race. I mean, my street was very integrated. I don't know a street that wasn't. There, there was not one street that didn't have some type of integration. And we never spoke about color because we weren't allowed to make it an issue. You know, my dad grew up uh, very without. He is the true entrepreneur. He brought himself up by his bootstraps, so to speak. And, you know, he went on to be the top foreman in the steel plant who was sent to Austria to study what they're looking at now, how to create a steel plant without pollution. He led a team of engineers, you know, so it was whatever you could imagine for yourself mm -hmm. is what you could be. And in addition to that, while he was doing that, he was an alderman representing the community, not a black community, because there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. So, and then he was an entrepreneur at the same time, which was how I eventually got thrown in uh, to be an entrepreneur. And my mom, she was always home in the day, but seldom at night. She was a singer. She sang all over Cape Breton. She traveled to Toronto. She did programs on CBC. So we grew up, you know, really knowing that the sky's the limit. Uh, before the Internet and Google and all that <laughs> stuff, we had every, we didn't just have the Britannica and the Canadiana, which we had. It, every type of encyclopedia, science, math, you name it, they were in our home. My dad took us out in the evenings to talk about the stars because he was amazing. He was, he was 
he was not of this planet. <laughs> That's what I would say. And so, therefore, it was important to him that we be not of this planet, but do everything that we could to help this planet mm -hmm. or to help our fellow person. And you can only do that if you are the best that you can be. Mm -hmm. However, I will say this. My life seems to go in approximate seven-year cycles. Mm -hmm. And I've always had the uh, unfortunate uh, of saying what, what I was thinking regardless of where I was. It's sort of just the way I think uh, we were brought up. And the first time I recognized it was, so, you know, when you go in cycles, of course there's a low, there's a medium, there's a high, and then there's always another low. Um, the first time I recognized that I was seven, coincidentally. Coming home from school, grade two, and I knew something was wrong when I got close to my house. My neighbor was standing on her step waiting for me. I knew she was waiting for me. I don't even know how, but I knew she was. And when I got closer, she said, you're to go to your grandparents, which was quite a ways away. And I looked at her and said, my grandfather's died? He, I didn't even know he was sick. Hmm. And she just said, just go to your grandparents. And my life's sort of like that. That's the way I saw it, and that's and, and it. I felt kind of good when Black Lives Matter because I think people thought, well, oh, well, you know, she is outspoken, but yeah, maybe what she said is does matter. Yeah. At uh, fourteen, I made a major decision that sort of determined a lot of the paths that I would go on, and that was. Um, for the first time, I was not an A-plus student in grade nine. I don't know what happened. I really don't. <laughs> first of all, I know I had a bad teacher. When he was doing uh, algebra and, uh, and when we were doing, we did Latin and algebra and French and all those things. But it seemed like it was Greek to me. I don't know why, but it just seemed like it was Greek and I just couldn't get my head around it. And so I said, no, I, I, you know, I'm going to do secretarial when I go to high school. They used to give it in high school. So I came home as I normally would and made that big announcement, and my father was outraged because my older siblings were um, in university at the time. But being who I am, I enrolled, enrolled in secretarial. Never looked back. I really enjoyed my high school. Did very well, got my A-pluses again, but my dad did not come to my graduation. He, he would not come. But he did find me a job before I was even graduated. He, was gonna, he could do that. He found quite a few of us a job. Mm -hmm. And so I was working at 17 as a, uh, I started as a switchboard. You know, they had these big, long, big boards where you put the phone to do you know what that is? You put the phone <laughs> things in and you listen, you know, and you're not supposed to listen, but you did. And uh, so I started doing that. And then I was a stenographer for the other two years that I stayed in there and in Sydney. And it was at a company called Eastern Light and Power that was pre-Nova Scotia Power. Every, every um, iteration. They had yeah. their own company. Mm -hmm. It was a private company. Uh, so... My sister by this time was teaching in Toronto, and then I moved to Toronto. And again, um, decided a little different path. I decided I would go to modeling school, 
and model, which I did. And coincidentally enough, the name of the school was Barbizon. So I thought, well, geez, <laughs> how can I not? It's, it's been waiting for me. <laughs> I just took a long time to get here. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. And luckily, I kept my day job <laughs> because I found out I didn't like being looked at. Oh, okay. I kind of heard if you're a model. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't like being in the front. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, oh, I can't do this. And um, then I, I met my husband through my work. I was an intake person at a company called the Mental Retardation Center, which they couldn't call it today. And it was for children. Mm-hmm. So um, we met. And uh, after we started dating, I thought I should find another job. (laughs) And then I I lucked into sort of what put me on my trajectory after a number of other things. I got the job as a secretary for the vice president of Caulfield Brown, Mm. which was either the first or second largest advertising firm in Canada. And went about my stuff, as I do, and then one day I got called into the, uh, his office, and I thought, oh, God, what's, you know, what's coming? I think I'm doing a good job. And he said, yeah, you're doing a great job, but we would like you to uh, go to ad school and become an executive. You don't fit out there. Mm. I said, oh, okay. So that's, you know, that's great. So I was really excited. That was my first real step you know, into something in the business world and I thought this is where I belong this Mm. is I think this is where I who Barbara Manning should be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in her Mm mid-twenties but then um I was married and Larissa came along Ah, (laughs) I say Larissa because you all know her (laughs) surprise no it wasn't a surprise no it was a birth it was a Christmas present for my husband Uh he he asked (laughs) for me to stop taking the pills so that we could have a baby and um, so it wasn't a surprise. But what was a surprise was that he didn't want to raise our daughter in a big city. I had never heard that pre- previous to that. He's from Chicago. Okay. So, I mean, Toronto, in his words, was just a town mm-hmm. compared to Chicago. So he wanted to move to some little place in Ontario. And I thought, no. Let's go home if we're going to do that. So then I ended up in Sydney. And when I arrived home, my dad was just, uh, had already started to open with all of his other things that I was telling you, a new restaurant and a new lounge. He, he was It was in the construction stage, but he wasn't giving up any of his other roles. So he decided that I should open this restaurant lounge. Okay. And I thought, I've never done anything like that. And he said, well, how, how do you think you're going to learn? And he said, well, anyway, that's it. You, 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 you do this for me. I need, I need you to do this. So I did. So that was my first entrepreneur yeah. experience. It sounds like you were thrown into it. I was thrown into <laughs> the deep end. I didn't drown. The operation opened, became quite successful for Sydney. Um, then I decided, being who I am, uh, to go to <laughs> go to university <laughs> in Sydney. I couldn't do what my heart wanted me to do, which was advertising. I don't mm. know of any mm-hmm. big advertising agencies. <laughs> Not then, for sure. 
in the early 70s, 73 to be exact. So anyway, I, I, um, you remember that I had taken the um, secretarial course in high school. Mm-hmm. So for me to, to get into, which was then the College of Cape Breton, it wasn't mm-hmm. a university, they put me on probation, of course, because I didn't have... Mm-hmm. Oh, right. But I was old enough. So you could go in as an adult on probation. And I studied English literature, won all the awards that year, and got a full scholarship. Oh, great. For the Good next for year. you. Yeah, I was on one of my highs, I thought. <laughs> I thought. And that was in June. Uh, unbeknown to me, <laughs> sometime over the summer, my husband had applied. He has a master's in psychology and a psychology degree to do a master's in education in counseling at Dalhousie. Oh, okay. And of course, he was accepted. And I have to say, I was a different person then. Because I, I, it didn't even occur to me that I should say no, or that I could say no. it. It didn't e- either of those times. It was just oh, oh, oh. I guess that's what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, up I go. No scholarship, of course, mm-hmm. to St. Mary's, and they were going to add an extra year and all kinds of stuff. But I talked my way out of that. So I finished my undergrad degree, got an education degree, and settled down to be a teacher. I thought, okay, this is who Barbara Manning is. Mm-hmm. So I started to teach. Um, I taught one year at elementary, and then I went to the infamous Cole Harbor High the first year it opened. Oh. We opened that school. Okay, It was uh, an amazing experience, of course, because this was the first time there would have been kids from North Preston, Eastern Passage, uh, Cole Harbor, not so bad, Forest Hills, but Eastern Passage, Cole Harbor coming together, right? And... Uh, my background didn't prepare me for any of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I didn't know there were segregated communities in Nova Scotia. I didn't know any of that. And I didn't see it in Toronto, mm-hmm. you know. So, but anyway. That must have been uh, quite a eye-opening experience. Well, it was. It was. When we first moved to Halifax, it was quite an eye-opening experience for me, not for my husband, because he's from Chicago, and he knew all about segregation. And so anyway, I taught school for a few years and decided... I enjoyed it, but I, it just didn't feel like it was me. Yeah. And we used to travel back and forth to Toronto. That was the only way I could not live there. Toronto was a, then, to me, um, if I could have picked a utopia, which I'm sure most people would say about Toronto, but that's how I felt about it. When I landed there, I thought, this is it. This is I'll never leave this city. I love it. I know my way around. I feel comfortable. Um, this is it. Mm-hmm. So for for us to move meant I had to go back and forth <laughs> quite a bit. And on one of those trips, I saw a business model that I thought would work in Halifax. And, and it was, um, it was a, a restaurant, more like a cafe, and nothing was made in that establishment. Mm-hmm. If you made the best chocolate cake in the community, then you provided the chocolate cake. You provided whatever. So everything was 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 uh, produced in people's houses, which gave them employment, but so in the restaurant. And I thought, gee, that would be great. Coming back here, but I don't know if you know, but we were always so far behind in everything. They wouldn't allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. And and I had uh, I had written my business model um, and everything. And in fact, we picked out the space. It's it, in what is now and was 
just becoming, we were one of the first tenants in the brewery market. And we had the space where the restaurant uh, De Maurizio is. Oh, right. And I say that because I know it's not him anymore. Right. Because he used to frequent our restaurant on his days off. He had actually opened La Perla in Dartmouth at oh, the time. Okay. So I uh, left teaching. And opened a dessert restaurant. It was called Desserts Plus. But I had to hire pastry chefs and the whole nine yards because I couldn't do the business plan that I wanted. And at that time, it was really important that there wasn't anything else down there. Mm -hmm. It stopped at the brewery. There was nothing across the street. It was just parking lots. Everything was supposed to have happened prior to our opening, but it didn't, or start to happen. In fact, much more then probably just about where it is now, but that was all supposed to happen, and, and that was 82-83. In the summer, we couldn't keep stock because it was Taurus. There was no waterfront the way it is now, but the Taurus did come down, and, and they had the tall ships. Our first summer was a tall ship summer. It was incredible. I thought, wow, we, we've got it made. But when September came, it was like they took those curtains and just closed them. <laughs> Nobody came down there, yeah. you know, because in those days, Hollis Street was known for something else. So after four years, um, we thought we can't continue to live off of uh, summers, mm, summers right, alone. Right. So we closed the restaurant. I, I say, uh, it seems to me like it was a Friday and I was teaching on the Monday. Mm. It, it seems to me. And that's how I sort of started the next part of my life that I'm still in. I was teaching for the first time what I had studied, not the previous time. And my first assignment was sort of like a who is a whomever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I gave that to the students and I was teaching an honors class. And, and the, the, the actual assignment was, if you could do or be anything that you want to be, no limitations, forget your age, forget where you are. Uh, you know, go home, do some homework, come back, and that's your presentation so that we get to know each other. And so I modeled it. So I went home and did some homework and came back and uh, gave them my research on wanting to do international marketing. My head's still in that mm -hmm. that same advertising space, I right. guess you could say. And they said afterwards, I got to know my students really well. In fact, one of my students daughters is dating my grandson oh wow okay that's that's getting to know people <laughs> <laughs> but it had, they didn't know that at the time yeah but anyway um they said okay so why don't you do it we won't be here because it'll be the end of the year and because we loved having you but then why don't you do it so that was the year i took off okay the interesting. 19, the 1990 i said well okay maybe i need to think about some things how did you get from doing sort of, you have this like amazing experience, you get, you teach yourself or you get your, your sister to help you, but teach yourself math, mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, probably have a one or two lucky moments, but you master it, mm. knock the exams out of the park, you get this opportunity to go to Asia, mm -hmm. travel, start an international marketing consultancy, get that going, and then Somewhere down the road, you also decide to get into the internet. No, game. I did not. No, you did not. No, that's not the way my life is usually not... works. Oh, okay. Do you remember the person I t spoke about who keeps changing my yeah. direction? Okay. So here was... he comes again. Okay, okay. <laughs> He's by this time. Um, uh, Larissa and I had just come back from Boston because one of the companies that I had formed was 
to take artists from here mm-hmm. and have their work soul in the U.S. and um, we had gone down there to actually open a physical space. Mm-hmm. We were searching out a, a space. And then we went to dinner at a friend's house and my husband had a successful uh, counseling. It wasn't a sole proprietor. He had a, probably about 25 or 30 um, people, probably more. He created what was what became the youth support program that the community services uh, use, but we we were the first ones to offer that service to them. Okay, he created that, and a lot he's a lot of ways still an American and very entrepreneurial. <laughs> and th- there's nothing that he puts his head mind to that he can't do. But really, at the basis, his true basis, he's a philosopher. Mm. He's 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 one of these mind people like my dad was. <laughs> so at dinner, they decided <clears throat> this friend and my husband John that. At this point in time, 1999, 98, um, money was being given out in California for just writing a business plan. Mm-hmm. That's all you had to do. It had to sound, at least that's what they were saying. It just had to sound right, and you get down there and get someone to present it, bang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, like just boom. Boom, that's yeah. it. But they thought, well, okay, we'll put a little meat on it. Um, John, you'll be a third the other person, you'll be a third. We're going to find a young tech he who's going to help create this. He can be a third. And Barb, you can run the company. I said, Gee, I, I know I was bad at math once, but I kind of caught up. <laughs> but, uh, there's nothing left in there for me. Uh-huh. Well, you were married to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I said, oh, I see. They wanted you to split your third. Got it. No. Well, yeah, split our <laughs> third, but put our full, the, the, the tech wasn't had no money. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be half and half mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, money. And I said, well, you fellas go have fun. You know, no, I'm not doing that. Finally, I found the word, no, I'm not doing that, right? I, I don't have to do that now. I've I've grown up. I'm in my 40s, after all. <laughs> so so anyway, they did. They did. They went off. They did it. They found the tech. Um, they started this research company across 1574 Argyle in a room this size and maybe half about there. Mm-hmm. And he, they were, they were researching, and they were writing stuff and doing whatever. And my husband and this other partner were just dumping money, dumping money, dumping money. By two hundred thousand, still no revenues. Mm -hmm. And then I start get. I mean, it still was part of my money, some of it. So I started looking at what exactly are they doing? And in those days, across the bottom of the screen, they showed the revenue that you made. Mm So our company, it shows the ticker tape, whatever. There was a, ooh, I said, oh, oh, we're, we're making money. And I kept following and following. Ooh, no, we're not making money. He's <laughs> making money. The, mm-hmm. the tech was making money. He, was, he had built another company and took money going off into there. Mm-hmm. So I said to them, by the way, you are making revenue. No, no, the company's making revenue. You are not making revenue. They didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. So I brought in a nephew of a friend of my son's who was studying his master's in computer science. And he brought a friend from China who had a master's in encryption and was now studying a second master's in computer science to our home. They looked at it and laughed and they said, of course she's right, can't you see, it's right there. Mm -hmm. That's how I got in. Mm 
you were asked to sort of step in and I don't no, say, I wasn't asked. Oh, you, I still wasn't asked. Okay, you 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 felt the need to step. I in? did. You were like, okay, these boys don't know what they're doing. That's right. They <laughs> weren't doing it. I mean, John was obviously running a successful practice. The other person had a massive uh, construction company and building properties down in the island. So mm-hmm. that no, they weren't doing it. So I said, I will do it. I will go in there. Um, but I will be the president and the CEO. I don't know if I should have, if looking back, I probably wouldn't have done both of them or said that, but I did. So I went in in June 2001. And and just just for our just for our listeners, what what uh, your your company or the company at the time, Jeannie knows what what did they do? Because that's you know you're kind of at the you're kind of at the early stage. Well, for the internet. Well, so. at that point. Um, they weren't sure. They were trying to build something. They weren't really uh, looking to do. They were trying to build some kind of a technology that somebody off in California would look at and say, yay. So my whole point of going in, I said deliberately six months to see if there's a revenue stream. Because if it's not a revenue stream, this is not a business, or, or one, a real revenue stream. So I convinced those two very smart techs uh, to come with me, and they did. And what we ended up being a part of uh, was the early online advertising. In those days, it was uh, the beginnings of the P- pay-per-click, I was going to say PPC. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what we were doing. They didn't know. We hadn't left Halifax, any of us, you know. So they started uh, researching because they were students, and and I started doing what I knew how to do, which was making the connections with, at that time, NSBI and ACOA. And I said, okay, well, I don't know what, what we're doing, but it's not happening here. Mm-hmm. So let's find out. Let's be where it's happening. Let's get on trade shows. So somehow or another, they were intrigued with what I was doing down at ACOA and NSBI, and they were overjoyed to have a company want to go on a trade mission who they felt you know, it was kind of in the IT world because it wasn't what it is now mm-hmm. here. And I went, the first mission we went on was New York. And we had already started to talk to some of the players and they had an office in New York. So we arranged to have a meeting, which we did. And the company's name was Fine What? Because in those days, uh, it was pre-Big Google. The names were goto.com. Fine what, you know, it was what it, what you did, it was what you were called. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we signed a contract. And so that was the beginning. And then I thought, okay, uh, there's something happening here. So we, at this time, without any outside money, we borrowed, I borrowed $50,000, my husband mm-hmm. and I at this point, at the early point in that June of 2001, so we could pay those young guys something. And, and I said, that's why I gave us six months but by the next June, we had probably tipped about $1.2 million in revenues, mm-hmm. which was pretty something, not knowing what you were doing or what you were a part of. And um, then, then it really started to build, and I, and I knew what we had to do. We did one of the things that we did that even the Fine Watts and some, a lot of the other companies that we worked with, because there were hundreds of them in this day in those days now there's google but Mm -hmm. there were literally hundreds getting into this and and it was amazing Mm -hmm. it was the most energized i had been 
uh, in terms of work ever. I, I, I loved every minute of it. And um, I realized uh, that we had something that they didn't have. We had Dalhousie Computer Science mm. who were really eager uh, to be able to put their students to be able to be actually doing what they were studying. And there was a professor there who was amazing. They they happened to be doing some of the, the same stuff because um, we researched that we were then doing. And what we did was build technology. We built um, what's called a publisher platform. We built what's called the advertising platform. And then we we just started attracting traffic. We built fraud technology. So we built all the components that would make that industry work. Mm-hmm. We built geo-targeting technology because it was traffic, let's say, hitting the West Coast that couldn't be financed. So we built technology that would allow that traffic, which is nothing today, it's Mm -hmm. normal, to be targeted uh, to UK because that's where it was coming from, and financed. So so what we had uh, at that time started to grow rapidly, and our biggest client was... They were previously called GoTo.com. Mm-hmm. That's the company that became Yahoo. Wow. So we worked, yeah, we worked with Yahoo in the States, in the UK, uh, Yahoo Europe, uh, China, India. And then I thought, okay, we need to be known. We had no Canadian uh, clients. Mm-hmm. No, in, in Halifax, they still didn't know what we did or how we made money. They knew we were doing something, but they didn't know how Like we They making... do something with the internet, no yeah, idea. That's right. Let them be. They do, they do things. So I thought we need to sponsor these big shows because we're little, but it doesn't matter. If we look big, then they'll think we're big, and that's exactly what happened. We started to sponsor uh, all of the shows that we went to. And then I knew that by this time, Google's no longer interested in just sort of mapping out, uh, what is it, what what was their slogan, like uh, connecting all the world or what, they were no longer, they saw, hey, there's big money in in online advertising because they were not about online advertising at first, that was not uh, where they were coming from. And unlike Yahoo, who were fantastic to work for, uh, who brought other companies along with them, Google was not that kind of a company Uh. (laughs) as they are now. You know, they just took over and they changed all the rules. And I could see that coming. And so I thought we we would start technology, building technology on what they weren't doing then, which was called local search. And local searches what you do on your phone. You want to go to eat somewhere. You want to go stay somewhere. So we started doing all of that. Um, you want uh, you want the search engine to know what you are interested in uh, given what you might have looked for yesterday. So we started that technology here wow. in Halifax. Wonderful professor at Dalhousie found us our first research director uh, he was amazing, out of U U of T in mm-hmm. Toronto, and he was uh, totally amazing. When we started that, and um, a co now they didn't know what we were doing, but they knew we were doing something. <laughs> so they they actually did give us one point two million dollars to work on that technology. Mm-hmm. 
but for the research part of it. And we did create that. But we lost our research um, director because he was doing his PhD at UFT, and they told him after two years, if he didn't come back, they wouldn't give him his PhD. Oh, interesting. If he didn't come back full time. Right, okay. So we were, and he, he was, he, he, he is what uh, development or research should be. He would do chunkets, and for each chunket, he would find a commercial mm-hmm. uh, so use, you're yeah. used for it. And, and one of the commercial uses was the modern gaming. Oh. We, we actually sponsored one of the earliest game competitions down in New Jersey. Mm. He was amazing. And so, you know, we knew what was going to happen as we went along. So therefore, the money would not run out because of the fact that you were just researching, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we still had the other side that we, we had to keep the development for. When we lost him, we got another research director from Dalhousie, same professor, and he said, you know, he's not quite a... But he was a researcher. Mm. And I didn't know at the time that he'd thrown out everything. I wasn't a research. I'm not a tech person. Yeah. You know, people always say uh, Barb Manning involved in tech. I, I was never involved in tech. I was involved in building a company, scaling a company, mm. and it happened to be tech, you know. Uh, so I didn't know that he started from ground zero, oh. uh, pretty much, because, you know, whatever the reason, I guess some researchers like, Mm-hmm. You, you know what you wanted to get the 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 researcher who was also interested in commercializing well who knew research. how yeah knew it doesn't how. Yeah. it's not a normal thing yeah uh chul was not normal in that regard he mm-hmm. was outstanding he was a genius because that doesn't come natural in university mm-hmm. they're not good at commercializing mm-hmm. so if you just follow the university road you wouldn't know that right so we got stuck what should have come out long before um, what we still call what was called local search all over mm-hmm. then um, didn't. And by this time, we we were a company of about fifty people. During that time, we did some uh, like really amazing, I say, things. We we we, uh, we traveled to shows and had business negotiations and deals all over the world. Our biggest market was UK and then China. But I think the biggest thing for me, what what I enjoyed out of that, was mentoring my team. Because uh, with with the exception of two, as I had mentioned earlier, they're all some of them were still in university. The second research director was also still doing his PhD, and I brought them into um, into business sessions where I I feel I gave them the tools to to know how to to run their departments. Um, I was also continuing to study. I, I never stopped studying, so I would be down in the U.S. studying whatever the latest business thing was and coming back and implementing it and teaching them how to implement it. And as a result, even after we closed the company, um, I'd say five or six of them have pretty good companies now. Mm. And um, I keep in touch with a lot of with most of them yeah um so so that was my you know you, they say I'm working with a business coach right now and he says you know stop looking back but I think you have to look back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it gives you the strength to know that if you did that without even thinking and that's the real truth of it when you are doing what you should be doing and you're in your zone you don't think you don't think 
wow, this is hard. You don't think, oh, it's like two in the morning. I'm still working. <laughs> because not work. You know, you just, and that's another thing we kept doing in that company was, first of all, we tried to weave in fun and, and then always brainstorming at least once a month, the entire company, everyone, the receptionist to the accountant, it didn't matter who it was, you were part of this mm -hmm. brainstorming. And and that's, I think, part of the reason that we we became successful and we're always getting ready to do the next thing before this one fell off, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, what would be, that's so fascinating. I mean, uh, basically, you know, what you're, what you're kind of saying is mm -hmm. that you had this amazing tech company that you stepped into that you weren't necessarily <laughs> a tech person yourself, but what no. you were interested in was building a really great company, yeah. finding the right people, mentoring them, yeah. dealing with the challenge. I really love that you, uh, your, your once monthly brainstorm, I was like, I, I need to uh, kidnap or adopt that technique. And you're doing all that from mm -hmm. Nova Scotia. And from Halifax. From Halifax. You, mm -hmm. you leveraged Dalhousie to the extent you could. You had some really great um, researchers here, also mm -hmm. the person from U of T. Um, and you're doing all that stuff. And probably not many people even knew you were, were doing that here here locally. And and your market was basically not here. Outside the world. And you're 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 at the point where you're you're getting big enough and you can see what's happening and you're you're in the mix with the likes of Yahoo and Google mm -hmm. is what I'm, what I'm hearing. Right. And especially especially Yahoo. Mm -hmm. You know, on different trade shows, the early early trade shows when Google was first getting into the advertising part, they would they would uh, gather us all up and take us to their campus. But in terms of how they started to change the industry, it was it was like a takeover. Yeah. <laughs> and there were, you weren't going to survive unless you became a Googleite, actually, or could find a different path. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pleased to say that uh, my son-in-law, whom you know, Mark, he's fa he's found a, a path. Um, he's now the general manager of a company called Covers, which is growing exponentially. My son, uh, he's found a, a great path. Mm -hmm. He and his wife, who both worked with us, um, and as he would say, you know, obviously came up in that he was very young. He was just turned 20. What a, what a great experience when he first started. He has a company called Blender um, Networks, mm -hmm. and uh, he's he's doing very well in affiliate marketing. Um, he was doing exceptionally well until the uh, pandemic <laughs> hit. Yeah. But you know, as I say, there are others, a young guy, a young um, tech. He has a couple of companies. He's back in India. The research director, the last one, uh, he has a, a company mm -hmm. now. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot of them. Got the spark. Got the spark. <laughs> <laughs> got the spark. Got the spark. Yeah. I'm, I'm still in contact with him as well. Okay. Yeah, with all of them. So so I, you I can't thank you enough for sharing your story <laughs> and your your journey with us today. Um, I guess maybe my 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 last little question is kind of, you know. What what what's on the horizon for you now? You you talked yeah. a little bit about it at the beginning, but you're you know working on scaling different companies and opportunities. Yeah. You said you have a, a coach who's kind of guiding you. Where where are you now he, with your he, seven year cycle? Yeah, well I'm I'm coming out of a, a pretty bad one, <laughs> and uh, you know I I had some major health issues, 
and that sort of put me on the shelf uh, for a bit. And after that, I thought, you know what? I think I'd like to work in a co- work corporately. I think I'd like to work in a company. Uh, that was 2014, and um, prior to Black Lives Matter, and and I wasn't prepared. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of other tech companies had sort of gone the route that that I had, that ours had gone, and I don't know if they had 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 the highs that mm-hmm. ours had and all of those founders of those companies were snatched up mm-hmm. and so when I decided after I, I had um, pancreatic cancer which is lovely to be able to say you had pancreatic cancer yeah. that's not normal so I thought I would put myself out there and um, I couldn't get my foot I couldn't even get a headhunter in the city to represent me. Mm. So I kind of did one of these, and then I kept thinking. I took another program out of UBC, digital, how to go into, which is where the BIPOC thing came from, going into companies and looking at their deficiencies and and their gaps. And why why do you think it was? You know, you've had time to sort of reflect, and we're kind of Oh, I know. We both know why it was. (laughs) We both know why it was, because one person was quite upfront. Mm -hmm. I I didn't have to guess what it was. You know, they were quite upfront about the fact that... um, that I was black and, you know, at the, the position that I would have been looking for or they would have been looking to place me uh, would have been a high position and they weren't prepared to, mm-hmm. to do that. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't the, it wasn't the, our first, and when I say that, our family, my, my daughter, not Larissa, I have another daughter, Janine, uh, she did undergrad uh, straight scholarships in science and was asked to do science and she chose architecture at Dalhousie. She came top of her class, but almost couldn't graduate because in Halifax, they would uh, there was not one architectural firm who would give her a work um, term. Term, mm-hmm. and without that, she couldn't graduate. So the professors, after being completely dumbfounded, had to put one of the, one of the professors who had a practice uh, a firm gave her her work term. So, I mean, it was nothing new. It was, as I said to you, it was new to me in that I had never experienced anything like that until I moved to Halifax. Mm -hmm. Never. Not in Sydney, definitely not in Toronto, and certainly not as long as I was working for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why I could achieve what I achieved. Mm -hmm. Um, And because I didn't put any ceilings there, and they would have been self-imposed, and I just didn't even think of them. You know, because people say to me now, well, didn't women have a hard time in tech? Well, maybe women do, but I didn't think of it. And, uh, you know, I, as I say, I wasn't tech, so I wasn't I wasn't coming at it from that direction. I was coming at it from uh, the business perspective, and I had the techs mm-hmm. out in front. So, mm-hmm. no, we didn't experience anything it, wherever we went. But we certainly did here, and, um, I, and I certainly did, and it, it sort of... I think it was the lowest I've been mm. in my whole entire life because I had not been brought up to see that, to think that that would happen. And it truly happened here. Yeah. Uh, and it happened for quite a while. I sent out, in addition to, to being not represented, uh, because you do need to be represented for that level of jobs, mm-hmm. I must, I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of job applications you know that I that I sent out for and but I did I did get a response 
and it was from Ikea when they were opening that oh, store. Right. And it was from, of course, somebody in Toronto. And they flew down, they interviewed me, and that job could have been mine. I talked them and me out of it. <laughs> out of it. I, I know I did. I had never worked in retail. Mm-hmm. And, but the point remains that outside of Halifax, it was not an issue. Right. And, and then that leads me to saying that mm-hmm. publicly at an AGM that I was at where the, the whole panel uh, were um, either executive directors, etc. But they were all white and they were speaking to a total black group. And, you know, and I thought, well, yeah, what's wrong with this picture? Well, here, this is what's wrong with this picture. And so I told them, and um, even the organization didn't take it nicely. You're supposed to not say those things in public, you know, but why not? And then uh, a year and a half later, Black Lives Matter happens, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm not saying that I'm responsible for all of the, the latest jobs, but I think that Let's just say government was in the room, <laughs> and um, and 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 it is something like it, it's sort of being this far ahead of when things are ready to happen. So by the time, well, I'll tell you, I did get calls late recently to be on some, possibly to be on some corporate boards, uh-huh. and I thought. Yeah, this is good. I I can do this. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've been on one of the things that I didn't say. I I was um, I went to Washington. All of the things that I did on my own, which were boards and trade missions and trade shows, on behalf of Canada, to increase um, women entrepreneurs getting contracts out of the U.S. government. So all of those things. Whenever. But I but I never thought of barriers. You were a little bit again ahead of the curve. Yeah. With your thinking, oh, yes. with and, the and black, you know, and then yeah. Black Lives Matter came, that, and you were having all this, you know, prior. to I was that. having guilt about mm-hmm. having spoken out, you know, of oh, what, what have I done? Why do I keep doing that? Why can't I just think things and not say them? Um, yeah, I, I, I got calls <laughs> to be on a, a corporate board, and then they asked how old I was. Oh, I feel this is going to be your next. This is going to be your next. Uh, no, next I just I just laughed. <laughs> I said I'm seventy two. Oh no. They said, uh, you know, they don't like people to be older than 70. So I said, okay, this is Halifax. First, it's racism, systemic racism, you know, that can't recognize talent unless you are white. And for a long time, white and male. And then it became white and female, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now it's ageism. (laughs) So I'm just too old. You need to to get back out there on that bandwagon again. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah. Well, I, I'm really happy that we we had you in for our, our podcast. I think this one is, you know, you have a really unique story that I think needs to be told, yeah. um, especially here because of, you know, all the things that you did. You know, our podcast is about innovation and entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and you were kind of there at the, the very beginning mm-hmm. um, and doing things here in Nova Scotia that I don't think many people even realize that you were doing. No. And bu- building and scaling a technology-based company, mm-hmm. being a African Nova Scotian or Black women BIPOC, I'm trying to think of all the <laughs> acronyms that they say now, female, CEO, you know, yeah. C-suite and all those kinds of things. It kind of works when you don't think of those. Yeah. You just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I get myself tripped up with all the different identifiers and acronyms. But 
But, you know, you were you were out there just trying to uh, do what you wanted to do, leverage the skills that you had. You had a passion and a vision to see a way that you could make this company successful. Mm-hmm. You uh, wrangled it from uh, a few a few fellows who uh, probably, you know, I'm sure your husband is, is lovely, but I'm sure he <laughs> really appreciated that you stepped in there to uh, to help out with the with the company and and uh, get it going the way that it was. And then I, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, telling us about your experience when you exited that that company mm-hmm. and decided to take a different course of action mm-hmm. and your experience uh you know coming back into the world here in Halifax and you're like okay everybody else is uh getting jobs and their founders and CEOs exiting tech companies why not me like what's what's going on here yeah. if i have the talent i have the skills i have the credentials mm-hmm. you know what's what's going on so I think that's uh, something that's really important. And, you know, at Onset, we're, we're really focused on inclusive, innovation-driven entrepreneurship. And I think it's really important. Uh, it was important before, you know, Black Lives Matter. It was important before. <laughs> but I think now people's ears are open. I yes. hope people who are listening to our podcast are, are open to hearing about these things more than they, they have been. And I think, uh, you know, you sharing your story really mm. hopefully will uh, make it real. You know, it's just yes. not something they read in an article, but, uh, you know, you've really shared your, your experience and your journey. And, and I really want to just thank you for, for doing that because it it's really, really makes a difference. So I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. It, it wasn't, uh, although once I get going, I, 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 continue, I talk, but it's <laughs> the most difficult thing I think I've. I've had to do. <laughs> yeah, well, we we appreciate it. I know it's always, uh, you were saying you'd like to be behind the scenes. We kind of put you out there and in front, and you did a great job, and we really appreciate it. So I just wanted to, to thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today, and thank you to our guest, Barbara Manning. To learn more about the Onside podcast and about us and our guests, you can follow us on Twitter at Onside Now or visit our website at onsidenow.ca. Thanks so much, and we hope that you will tune in to future episodes.